shook it, there would probably be a cloud. Um, around our house, we've been doing a lot of preparation over the last few weeks. Somebody asked me yesterday or the day before um, if we were ready for Christmas. And I said, yes, because my mother and I are preparers. And we get started early with the <laughs> gift purchasing and the gift wrapping and the second Thanksgiving hit, Amelia was like, well, you said the Christmas tree went up and decorations went up after Thanksgiving. Well, it is Thanksgiving. Like, get on it. So we have been preparing <laughs> for Christmas in our household for, for a while. I've been making gifts. I've been wrapping gifts. Um, but the last couple of days, I've been noticing that as I've been so focused on the gift part of Christmas, there are some other things around my house that have not been getting quite as much attention. I was lying in bed and noticing kind of this tendrils attached to a corner of my ceiling, um, this dust, you know, kind of, how do those even form? Those cobwebby things? Or, you know, you notice around the, the, the uh, fan, like kind of that fuzziness. So as we've been focusing on one aspect of Christmas, there have been kind of this other aspect of life um, that has not been getting as much attention. Well, that then reminded me of um, a number of years ago, um, President Obama came to Seattle. Now, this is not a political statement. He was coming to the house directly across the street from us for a fundraiser, literally across the street. And so I decided that I was going to prepare for his arrival by sweeping our front driveway. And I pulled Amelia out into a little extra saucer, you know, the little thing that contains the toddler, and um, set her out there in her hood and mittens while I prepared for the arrival of this important person who was coming to our neighborhood. The passage, I'm gonna set this down now. <laughs> the passage of scripture that we're going to look at today is out of Isaiah 7. It's the passage that Matthew references in the passage that Jen read this morning for us. The virgin will give birth to a child and he'll be named Emmanuel, God with us. I have tended to engage with that Isaiah passage via Matthew. And yet we are preaching out of Isaiah 7 this morning. And as I sat with it in its original context, I realized that there's much more to Emmanuel, much more to God with us um, than I necessarily get when I hear it quoted by Matthew. That when Matthew quotes this passage, he is alluding to certain things about who Jesus is. But when we dive into Isaiah 7 in its original location in scripture, I believe that there is a call to us in this passage to a deeper level of preparation for God with us than I think I tend to engage in during Advent and in my life in general. So this morning, as we look at these words from Isaiah, I'm going to attempt to explain some of the historical context, so bear with me. I'm going to try and make it engaging um, to help us understand all that it means for us for God to show up in our lives and what that, that, that might mean for us, um, what we are called to by way of preparing for that. So that's where we're going this morning. Let me pray, and then I will read our passage. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who we anticipate 
your arrival in this season of Advent. I ask that you would awaken our imaginations this morning. As we hear these words from the prophet Isaiah, help us to understand what they mean for us. What does it mean that you are God with us? How should that impact our lives? How should we prepare? What are we called to as a result that you are with us? Be with us this morning, Lord, as we reflect on these things. Amen. So these words are from Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to begin reading in verse 10, and they should be on the screen. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of human beings? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. Now, if you were like me, you listen to that passage, and there's just a whole host of questions. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you guys hear anything that's said? You're, proje- you're projecting <laughs> So, can you turn this down a little bit? If you are like me, you hear these words and you are just very aware that this is not written to you. This is not our context, right? Who is Ahaz? Who are these multiple different kingdoms that are referenced here? What does it mean that this child is going to eat curds and honey in the wilderness? So many questions. And so let's attempt to dive in and understand a little bit about what surrounds this verse that is so familiar to us. The virgin will give birth to a child, and he will be called Emmanuel. So the prophet Isaiah prophesied to a number of the different kings of the southern kingdom of Israel, to Judah. This is after the kingdom has divided into north and south. And the message that Isaiah brings is a twofold message of judgment, warning Israel that their rebellion is going to come at a cost, but also hope, all right? There's this oscillation between judgment and hope. And the hope is that despite Israel's wandering, God will one day fulfill his promises. So in chapter 7, where we are today, Isaiah brings a message from God to King Ahaz. Now, King Ahaz is one of the bad kings, all right? He is referred to in very uncomplimentary light, um, in scripture. And he's bad because Ahaz led Judah into all sorts of idolatry. 
worshipped all sorts of foreign gods, and in that, he, he even sacrificed his own son to one of these foreign gods. So Ahaz is not a good king. So at the time that Isaiah writes these words, Judah is under assault from three different kingdoms. There's Aram, which is today Syria. There is Israel. And these two are coming against Judah because Judah has has refused to form a coalition with them against Assyria. So Assyria is this big nation that really just wants to come and take over the whole region. And so the other smaller countries are trying to form coalitions to protect themselves against Assyria. Judah has said, no, I won't do that. And so two of these smaller countries are now coming against Judah. So Judah is kind of at the center of all of this. There's all of these different people who are threatening them. And Ahaz, the king of Judah, is terrified. He's panicking. And so at the moment that Isaiah speaks these words, Ahaz is bouncing around the city of Jerusalem, frantically trying to shore up all of the weaknesses. And he has come to do an evaluation of the city's water supply. All right, he's checking out one of the aqueducts. And Isaiah comes to him with Isaiah's son. And he has these words for Ahaz. He says, be careful. Keep calm. And don't be afraid. Because the Lord promises that this threatened attack will not happen. All right? Whew. Well, if you were Ahaz, that should come to you as good news. And then Isaiah ends by saying, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If Isaiah really speaks for God, then there's nothing to fear, right? These playground bullies are going to simply blow themselves out without ever laying on a finger on Judah. If what Isaiah says is true, Judah's security does not depend on the security of the water supply, on the strength of the city walls, on the size of Ahaz's army. Judah's security depends entirely on King Ahaz trusting God. Stand firm. Be calm. Do nothing while God sorts this out for you. This is Isaiah's words to King Ahaz in the midst of this incredibly troubled time. Stand firm. Be calm. Do nothing while God sorts it out. Now, this might ring a bell in your mind. It did for me. It reminded me of some words that... um, come from Exodus 14, where Moses is told basically the same thing. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Well, if you are King Ahaz, if you are Moses, if you are you or I facing the scary things in our lives. This is a big ask, to sit back and do nothing, seemingly, and to simply trust God. Can Ahaz trust God? Can Ahaz count on God's protection? Are God's promises sure enough to stand up against powerful enemy forces? Well, we face these sorts of questions daily. Can we count on God in the face of advancing age, in the face of questionable health, shaky finances, job uncertainty? Can we count on God or do we need to make 
our own plans? Do we need to hedge our bets? Do we need to put some things in place just in case God doesn't follow through on his end of the bargain? This is a big ask to stand firm, to be calm, to do nothing, and to trust in God's provision. And so God recognizes this, and so he suggests that Ahaz ask for a sign to confirm that all of this is truly coming from God. He says, ask for anything. Ask for the possible or the impossible. Whatever you want, ask, and I'll give it to you as a sign that I am trustworthy. But Ahaz isn't interested in a sign because he doesn't want to hear from God because Ahaz already has a plan, right? He's hedged his bets. And his plan is to form an alliance with the bully, with Assyria, hoping that Assyria will protect Judah from these other smaller bullies in the neighborhood. And at first glance, this seems like it might not be a bad idea. Except that teaming up with Assyria is like the gingerbread man accepting help from the fox. Amelia's class this week did the gingerbread man play. And if you recall, the gingerbread man at the end of the story climbs further and further up the fox's back until what? The fox gobbles him up. Well, Assyria's violence was legendary. They were known for skinning their enemies and then using those skins as posters. Clearly not the best plan to partner with these guys. But Ahaz has flipped his lid. He is panicking. And so this is the best that he can come to on his own. And so Ahaz rejects God's offer of a sign. And he tries to sound holy as he does it. He says, oh, I don't want to test God. But it's not testing God when God has told you to ask him for a sign. Right? So Ahaz is trying to sound holy when in reality what he is doing is rejecting God, putting his faith in something else. And so God gives a warning. And the warning are these words that we are so familiar with from Matthew. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And before this child is even grown, Israel and Aram will fall, and Assyria will turn against Judah. The very people that you are partnering with are going to turn against you. So these words that we hear, God with us, and that initially evokes um, this feeling of comfort and security, God with us, to King Ahaz came as a warning. That if Ahaz does not change his course, God's presence is not going to be comforting. It is going to come across as judgment. Well, as I sat with this passage this week, I really wished that we were preaching the Matthew passage. Because I kind of wanted to stay in that place of comfort. I wanted to pull up into that manger scene that I have in multiple places around our house, surrounded by the white twinkle lights, and just be cozy with Jesus. But the Isaiah passage forced me to realize that there is another side to God with us. And that as I prepare for Christ's coming, 
I maybe have some work to do. God with us may at times feel like judgment. When we choose to disobey God, when our lives are lived in rebellion against God's kingdom, against God's love, when we consistently put our hope and our trust in other things, God is not going to comfort us. God with us at times is going to feel like judgment because we need to be refined. There are things in us that need to be reoriented, parts of us that need to be shed. We've been reading through um, the Chronicles of Narnia with our kids, and we just read through Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which I love. And the movie version, the newest one, is lovely. And in it, there's a scene of Eustace. It's this kind of annoying boy that gets brought along on the journey. And at one point, he is turned into a dragon, kind of manifesting kind of the ickiness inside. And as he realizes what has happened to him, there's kind of a transformation that happens in his heart. And Aslan, the lion, comes to him at one point and begins to claw the sand in front of Eustace. And as that happens, you realize that this dragon skin on Eustace is being clawed. And eventually that skin is pulled away from Eustace and this fragile little boy is revealed again. But you know as you watch it on the screen and you know as you read it in the story that that transformation is an incredibly painful one for Eustace. And yet it's done with such love by Aslan and Eustace is so grateful at the end of it that he has been returned to his beautiful human form. But that process of judgment, of refining, can be painful at times. So Advent invites us to consider whether there are aspects of our lives that need to be shed, that need to be let go of. Can our finances our sex lives, our family relationships, our treatment of the poor, can all of these different areas of our life stand up to God with us? How about our society? Can our politics, our military policies, our social policies? Well, inevitably, the answer is no. All of these different areas of our individual lives, our corporate lives, our worlds, are broken, have been impacted by sin. So they cannot stand up to God with us. But thankfully, God with us is merciful. And it calls us not to try harder or to do more, but simply to keep calm, don't be afraid, and stand firm in faith. So perhaps when we recognize that there are aspects of us that need to be shed, aspects of us that cannot stand up to the presence of God with us, our response is simply to cry out, Emmanuel, God who is with me, have mercy. Perhaps what we are called to when we recognize that we are not enough is to draw near to God as he draws near to us, to press in. God with us 
also means that we can trust more. And that that may perhaps mean doing less or doing in a different order. I know that I am like King Ahaz, that when I am under stress, my impulse is to overperform, to feel like I need to do more. And yet Isaiah calls Ahaz to the exact opposite in this situation. He is under incredible stress right here. His political life is on the line in the way that he performs in these moments. And yet God's word to Ahaz is to do nothing and to have faith. And God promises Ahaz safety, not because of anything that he is going to do, not because of any alliance that he is going to make, but because God is faithful. This has been a crazy time in our nation. And we can often feel like the politicians, the multinational corporations, the military are the ones that need to fix things. And yet they're making such a mess of it. We need to fix things. But God is so much bigger than any person, than any corporation, than any government. God is Lord of all of it. He is in charge of history, in charge of creation, in charge of the future. And Jesus himself, his birth to a virgin, his victory over death, is a sign that earth's power don't get the last word. Jesus was born at a time when tyrants like Caesar Augustus and Herod made people cower in fear. And yet all of those political figures died. And yet Jesus lives. God with us means we can trust that he has got it. That in the small details of our lives, in the massive details on an international scale, we can trust him. And then if we do, it flows out of that place of faith and not the opposite way around. In the voyage of the Dawn Treader, the very last scene is a scene of the voyage is, is they're going to the end of the earth. They're looking for Aslan's country, which is at the end of the earth. And so they are sailing literally to the end of the sea. And as they come towards the end, in the book, they talk about how the water changes. It goes from being salty to being sweet. And suddenly there are these white lilies just covering the surface of the water. And so they're, they're kind of experiencing this as they continue on. And then Reepicheep, the little mouse, talking mouse, looks up and he says, we've arrived. And in the movie, it shows that there's just this wall of water kind of going up into the sky. Everything about that scene is impossible. Salt water does not just change into sweet, fresh water. Lilies don't just appear on the surface of the water. Water does not just stand up, towering into the sky. But what I love about that image from C.S. Lewis is this reminder that God is not bound by what we think is possible. The God who created all things 
can do all things. And as we experience the ebbs and flows, the stresses of life, as we experience politics playing out on a national scale, we can feel overwhelmed because we can't see a solution. We can't see a way through. There are probably situations in your life, things that weigh you down because you just can't figure it out. How is this going to be okay? But God with us, a baby born to a virgin, is a reminder to us that God is not bound by what we think is possible. And so as we face these overwhelming situations, we can have hope that God can transform that situation. And God is going to transform those situations. The gift of Christmas is this reminder that the end of the story is good. We have that guarantee in Jesus. The end of the story is good. We don't know how it's going to turn out. We can't understand it. We can't explain it. But the story of Jesus is a story of one type of those situations after another. Jesus born to a virgin, turning water into wine, walking on water, calming the storm, walking out of the tomb. Well, how does he do that? Praise Jesus, we don't know. But the end of the story is good. And so as we come to Christmas this year, we can cling to that hope and also remember that perhaps there is some work that we need to do as well. That God with us may be calling us to some refinement, to some painful shedding of things. And that that's okay, because the God who calls us to that is a God who loves us deeply, is with us in that transformation, and is calling us to that because it is best for us. We're going to come to the Lord's table now. And as we do, I'm going to leave just a moment of silence for us to reflect on anything that this has brought up for you. God is with us. And so I just invite you to to bring the things that are on your hearts to the Lord in these next couple of moments as we prepare to come to the table. Let's pray.